Welcome to the Fireside Chat, presented by Rotographs and Pitcherlist. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Paul Sporer and Nick Pollock. Hello and welcome to episode 718 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, July 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, and it's another Fireside Chat, so I am joined by the wonderful Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? What is happening? Yeah, I'm, I'm joined by the magnificent Paul Spear. Paul Spoor. I, I call you Spear. Is that right? I Paul, like it. Paul Spear. That's my new name, apparently. Paul Spear. You, you know, actually, every time I do these, uh, I can see in the background you have a spear with a feather on it, and uh, <laughs> that's just who you yeah, are that's now. Yeah, exa- that, that's exactly what's happening now. <laughs> um, Nick, we got, we got some pictures to talk about. Yes, we do. I, I got to say, though, just covering it out front. Our rebound duds have remained duds. Oh, so yeah. Oh, man. Well, okay. Seemingly yes. went out. Kind of. Freed, yes. The blister and everything. And then, then Kenny yeah. was terrible for two starts. But his last start was actually kind of encouraging. It's just maybe. annoying. I know. Right course. after we're, we're like, hey, take a look at maybe well, these guys. Here. To be fair, those were suge- like actual by lows. That's the thing, too. And it's like we we made clear that there was a high high degree of risk here. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, some of them are out there and like ensured that if you did pick them up, now you need like four more good starts just to clear right, right. some of the bad that they've done off the rip. Like uh, Bundy gets just oh, utterly right. trounced and then hits well, the eye okay, out. Okay. So, like, so the Bundy one, I mean, we both were like, this is probably not going to work. But this hey. is so like, yeah, th- this was super deep. But, um, yeah. you know, Wheeler, I actually am still buying. I know he's on I the eye out. I'm actually still buying canning, too. Bundy coming back Tuesday, whatever. Um, Freed, you mentioned blister IL, so we'll see right. where yep. where he goes. But uh, just wanted to bring those up today. What we're looking at though is some is some young arms that are that are kind of on the rise right now. They've been pitching well of late, and what we like to do a lot of times is kind of check in, see what the viability is here. Is this something that we should really believe in? What uh, what are the pros cons of these guys? And let's go ahead and dive in and just start with. Number one on the list for me is Asher Wojciechowski. Wojciechowski? Yeah, Wojciechowski is what I'm going with. I don't know. Wojciechowski. I don't know. Um, Wojciechowski. Yeah, he, you just wrote about him recently. You were diffusing the Woj bomb. Yes. Wojciechowski. Wojciechowski. Okay, we noted. Noted. Wojciechowski. <laughs> and, you know, he was a prospect, a, a moderately notable prospect many moons ago. Wasn't even a top 100 guy. I think he was in Houston's organization before they were really coming up full well, first Toronto he had a little prospect sheen with them then Houston but now we're talking about a 30 year old who's totaled all of 101 innings in the majors 23 of which have come this year but there are some differences that do kind of jump off the page he has a sick breaking ball right now and I say just breaking ball because it certainly looks like a curve but then it's pitch valued as a yep. uh, as a slider yeah. and so we're gonna go breaking ball it's nasty but there's also an improved fastball um which is kind of interesting too he's leaving the zone generating whiffs 17 strikeouts and two start his last two starts against boston and washington that said there's still major home run issues it's 23 innings you can go either way with it it's something that i'm definitely kind of tepidly looking at but when you defuse the Woj bomb, what'd you find, and, and what's the viability going forward on somebody like Asher Wojciechowski? So the, you know, actually, Fast and I talked about him last week on on the corner because he did strike out, I believe, seven in that start, and we're like, hey, this is, hey, look at that. We don't expect this yeah. guy to have any value, and all of a sudden he did that with, I think it was fifteen whiffs and nearly a hundred pitches, which is something to be That's said. That's the thing. And Nasty swinging strike. 
Right, so he didn't have a 30% CSW in that game, but it was just a lot of whiffs. We are like, that's actually pretty interesting. Um, he has a 17% overall swing strike rate this year, which a housekey does and it, the, as you mentioned that i'm going to call it a curveball that really to me that is a curveball i'm just gonna I, say I think that so too. Um, that's why i was stunned when i, I saw know that I, d- I saw that too crazy as a slider uh, yeah they had the, the the slider then is a cutter to them whatever fine but okay. uh yeah curveball to me is flat nasty um it's uh it, it really is it's ridiculous the, the red sox sister just could not handle the pitch and he's doing a really good job of not hanging it either um, a lot of times when he does miss, it's too far down as opposed to up in the zone, which is really good for a curveball. Uh, and a lot of times he was just hitting the mitt right between the dirt and the bottom of the zone, getting a lot of whiffs on that. Even times when he like really spiked it, they still got swings, and or he still got swings on it. I was kind of nuts. Oh, the, yeah. <laughs> the one to Mookie bets. Oh, that was oh, a good one. Goodness. Oh, oh. And no, you look at it. Gone away. It's like a Brios pitch. Yeah, and and you look at it and it's you know it's easy for us to be like, oh, don't. Don't swing at that. You know, how you swing at that. You cannot fathom what it looks like coming in and then just falls off right, yeah. completely. And, and to Asher's credit, uh, what really impressed me in that start yesterday not was just that that curveball, but his fastball was really well located down and away yep. to right-handers. So when that ball comes in, it at first looks like that fastball again going down near the knees and then it falls off as a curveball. But that's the biggest question with Asher is, is that fastball going to be volatile or not? Even inside that start, there are definitely ones where he just got away from him going up too far. And he's a big, lanky guy, uh, six foot four and has kind of a long arm circle. He does a, he does a bit of a hitch or a tap with his glove to try and time that right um, as he as he delivers the ball. But I don't know if, the, if it's just like a Bundy situation with that high swing strike rate, but then very prone with his fastball to... Uh, to the long ball at the same time he is getting a lot of whiffs with that pitch thus far that Bundy really never has gotten I I'm, I'm a little frustratingly by the way yeah. frustratingly that we can't see Bundy ever just really dominate consistently with both the fastball and slider I, I mean yeah I think we brought up too that the, the top five spin rate on, on Bundy's fastball but looking at Asher pitch I have to think that at its peak Asher's fastball is better it's just a question of its control and you know, if it is, if he is putting where he wants to, and I, it kind of frustrates me that he wants to go down and away all the time. Uh, I think he would have a lot of success going up effectively. I mean, the times he did that accidentally and got a swinging strike on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cutter is good enough to get strikes. I, I'm fine with that pitch. It's like 87 miles per hour, kind of floats in there a little bit, but it takes guys aback a bit when he throws it in there. So that's fine. The curveball is just so good that I think I'm in a bit here. He gets the Angels next. I'm I'm honestly gonna pick him up in a twelve teamer and start him for that. Okay. I, I think his I think that curveball is just such a great pitch, and when that fastball's on with it, he's gonna have a good good start. The cutter's gonna be just fine, and that's gonna be good. Um, it's just a that, question about that fastball command being consistent or not. Yeah, that's that's really it because he also has a major fly ball lean, Ashley Wojciechowski, with the thirty percent ground ball rate. So that's gonna obviously put the ball in the air more, and that's probably why he's had such a sustained home run issue uh, he's at 1.6 this year 14 percent homer to fly ball rate is not something that you would say is you know doused in any sort of bad luck there either but that's why he's got a 391 era but a 396 fifth to go with it you know the the era indicators the the strikeouts and the strikeout surge and the walks that he holds down at eight percent even seven and a half if you want to be technical uh, that's a great rate so that kind of counters some of the home run issues that that Wojciechowski has, 
it's just a matter of those bad days can be so bad. So he is going to be what you term as a cherry bomb. You're going to have those great outings and you're going to have to kind of play, you know, it's that musical chairs. When's it going to blow up on you? Hopefully not anytime soon. He does have me say, uh, have at LA, that's the angels and then home against Toronto. And they're not a great team. And if they're swinging and missing, he's got them. The one thing they do have though is power. So that won't be a little bit touch and go, but I agree with you. I think he needs to be considered here. Asher Wojciechowski for Baltimore is somebody that you want to uh, pick up. And he was picked up a lot in, in leagues this past weekend. That doesn't surprise me at all. But what's, what's really funny to me is, I mean, if you're going to buy pitch type splits, uh, that's a cutter. The fact that he introduced the cutter as an Oriole is a hilarious thing to me. That's the Yeah, that's the mo- that should be the tip-off that they're wrong. Yeah. They should be like, well, this can't be a cutter because it's on ball. Their system, they there should have a, a command in there that if a cutter rate is over 2%, that it returns an error right. if they're on the Oriole. No, but, because there's no way they would allow that at 19% but, for uh, – but for those that are wondering why haven't we seen this before from from Wojciechowski, well, that cutter didn't exist until this year. Um, it kind of did maybe in 2015, but he only threw 30 apparently then. Uh, and the curve wasn't nearly as good. Right. And not to mention this also makes his fastball uh, – it will nullifies the mistakes of his fastball a little bit more, having a cutter to kind of keep guys off balance. So that's, that, that's cool. to really, really consider Wojciechowski a completely new pitcher than we've seen before. That's not the same guy – in any way that we've seen in the majors prior. Yep. So keep that in mind and just kind of play it start to start with him. But you might have a little gem with Asher Wojciechowski getting strikeouts and piling up some decent innings. Let's move over to the NL West. Uh, this is always a haven to maybe find a midsummer guy. It seemingly happens every year. Derek Rodriguez was a guy like this. Uh, if I were good at my job, I would have several other examples. But San Francisco <laughs> can be a haven where those kind of back in Derek Holland uh, had a great run. I don't know if that was last year or two years ago. I think it was last, last year, year as well. Yeah, last year. Um, so they had two guys last year. But they that park, of course, is excellent. It's one of the best pitcher parks in the entire league. And they develop pitching pretty well. They go hand in hand. It's not just the park. So they usually have a guy or two each year off the radar who comes up, can put together a run. We're seeing that right now with Tyler Beatty a former big-time prospect who it was looking like, "Eh, what's he really going to do here? He walks the yard. uh, He's got kind of – he's got a live arm, but is there anything else? He brought the velocity back this year uh, up to 94.3 with his fastball. And while he's not striking out a ton, the walks have been cut particularly recently. So Amped Velo, his last three starts, he's got a 166 ERA, .69 whip, which is very nice. Only 16 strikeouts in 21 and two-thirds, but one walk. He's diving more into his breaking balls, and he's finally turning his first pitch strike rate into fewer walks. He was one of those guys that Tyler Beatty would have a a strong first pitch strike rate, which doesn't guarantee you won't walk guys, but it is a a good indicator. And yet he was still walking to him. And even now, the 11% is too high, uh, but but it's been much better of late. So what are we seeing with Tyler Beatty, and is this something that we want to invest in? beyond the very short term well i feel very uh it's very kind of you to let me talk about the slider that he introduced three starts ago because i knew you wanted to uh i I had i gotta save some meat on the bone here (laughs) we're a team yeah there we go uh but yeah no no so essentially on july 2nd he started throwing the slider around 87 miles per hour sometimes it's called a cutter some say it's a slider whatever it's a good pitch it really helped him a lot to get those strikeouts as of late um, he had that seven strikeout game against the Brewers, five recently against the Mets, and he's only allowed one walk in those last three games as you're talking about the lowered walk rate. I, I like 
what he's bringing with that slider. His curveballs also improved as well over that time. As you mentioned, he brought up all breaking balls. And I think that kind of, I mean, he really focused only on the curveball before, but working hand-in-hand sliders and curveballs, he actually had about 35% curveballs in that, uh, sorry, uh, breaking balls in that uh, Brewer start on the 14th. I, I like Beatty. I, I wonder if his fastball is, he uh, doesn't command it well. Um, no. Especially against that Brewer start. I watched that one, and while I did like the slider involved, there were a lot of fastballs that he threw in that one that were hit to the warning track or so. And I felt like it should go out, and it didn't. And I do wonder if he's going to stumble a bit as that fastball is going to let him down. But I do like that slider. It's a good pitch, and the curveball should miss some bats as well. And those two pitches alone will make him a good streaming candidate. Is this a guy that for the second half that is going to win your league? I don't think so. I think Wojciechowski has a better chance at that than Beatty does. But yep. this could be someone that you could be happy with. He could turn into what I call a Toby. It could just be something every so often. Oh, cool. He's facing the Cardinals. Great. I'll take that one. That's the kind of thing that I would consider, but not really as a locked roster spot. I, I have to echo all of that. So I'm not going to go. I'm not going to reiterate that. But what you really hit on there with Beatty about whether or not he's going to be a great streamer um, in when your league, I have a hard time seeing that, particularly in the short term. He gets the Cubs yeah. this week. It is at home. But then a two-step at Philly, at Colorado the week after. And he's certainly not missing enough bats for that. Mm -hmm. So for that, I can't really go in on Tyler Beattie right now. Maybe take the chance this week. Cubs, quality offense, but you get him at home. So if you you need to stream Beattie this week, I can get that. But then I'm jumping off. I'm letting next week go. If he comes out looking uh, solid at Philly, at Colorado, I'll dive back in, even at a premium, though. I'd rather pay. I'd rather not risk getting trounced in those starts and have to pay more for them on waivers the, that following Sunday, uh, which would be uh, August 4th, that after the at Colorado game. Maybe sure. if he pitches well there, he would be the, the hot waiver pickup. I'd rather pay that premium than sit through this um, and possibly get just obliterated at Philly and at Colorado yeah. with BD. But you make some great points there. So keep an eye on Tyler Beattie uh, as he moves on from this week. Next one is in Houston. We have the highlight guy is Jose Urquidy, but then we're going to put a little bit on Rogelio Armenteros just because he's he's in the mix too. It's It's been crazy this year. You, didn't, you wouldn't have thought that Houston would have to go through so many starters, and yet they have. They have their mainstays at the top. They have two mega aces in Verlander and Cole. Miley has actually really done pretty much what a lot of people projected, which was parlay some of the magic we saw last year into even more with Houston. You know, sprinkle that little extra bit of Houston on top of what he did with Milwaukee last year with that cutter. And voila, he's been a solid mid-rotation piece this year. So they got their three headliners. But it's been pretty much a disaster beyond that with the guys that they've tried, either underperformance, injury, both. Even Urquidy himself got trounced in one of his three starts. So his numbers don't even look good as far as uh, ERA goes because he has a 554, but he just came off a gem. Seven innings, two hits, one run, no walks, nine strikeouts against Texas, a strong offense. And this guy has 17 strikeouts and one walk in 13 innings. Tiny sample, but if you're just going off the base skills and not the 554 ERA, you got to be interested in Arkady. So let's start with him. What's up with Arkady? Can he hold a spot the rest of the way? Well, well, first of all, I'm just in shock that you pronounced Armenteros' name right. I had no idea what it was, and you killed that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Rogelio, is that right? 
Rogelio, yeah. Rogelio, okay. Rogelio Armenteros. Um, but yeah, the thing I love about uh, Arkady is uh, his changeup is fantastic. He went to it over 40% of the time in that Texas Rangers start where he dominated. It He just got a ton of whiffs with it. It's a 21.5% swing strike rate right now on 65 thrown. It's a really, really good pitch. And he throws heat. He throws, he throws 94. He's topped out at 96 this year. Uh, yeah, that has a 455 batting average allowed right now. 529 BABIP. Okay, fine. Over 100 pitches thrown. That's going to come down. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly, I think is I don't know if it's slider curveball that's kind of dancing in between the two. Um, we are having a heck of a I time know. with the pitch. We picked pitchers here who have their classifications <laughs> just all jumbled today. But it's I, I think it's I'm leaning towards curveball um, for for uh, for a kitty. But it's a good pitch. Like it, it's not one of those that it's not like a show me one. I think there are going to be certain days where the changeup isn't there, and he's going to have to lean on that breaker, and it's going to be fine for him. The big question really is is kind of like Waj in the sense of the fastball command. If it's really bad, it's going to burn him completely. Maybe he'll really go that forty percent plus changeup usage on that day and save himself because they can't jump ahead on that heater because of it. But I, I like what he brings to the table. I think he has his three pitches that are solid. If Houston doesn't get another starter at the at the deadline, or I mean, I guess they need two to kick out Urquidy. Yeah, even if they even if they do, Urquidy could still keep one spot. You mentioned the fastball command and, and similarities to Woj. One of the things that Urquidy has um, with his fastball command, it's a little bit more like a Michael Pineda thing where. It's it's bad command in the zone. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it it can it can it's yield a lot of wild. damage. It's not as yes. wild, but it's still not putting it always where you want it to. Exactly, and it can be a meatball city at that right. point because yep. he only has two percent walk rate in his short MLB time, but six percent at AAA this year and four percent at AA. So and he's never been over. He was one stop in his in his pro career over five percent walk rate and that was seven percent for 16 innings sure, yeah so Arcini doesn't walk guys but that doesn't mean he has great command that just means he has good control yeah, yeah no, so great keep point. that in mind um with him but i i agree this is somebody that they probably need two starters to kick him out and they may do that but he's been kind of interesting and i i'd rather go with the arcidi uh pickup right now because you got to trust I, I trust houston with the way they manufacture their guys and, and develop them. And I'm pretty interested in what he could do, at least in the short term here. He's going to get at St. Louis this week and then at Cleveland the next week. Both teams are solid. Uh, Cleveland playing much better of late, but neither terrifies me. Sure. Neither is something where I have to run away, particularly on the road from them. And uh, now Armenteros was sent down after a big weekend start. So he's lost the short term battle, but, what if the trade deadline doesn't pan out as expected or something goes sideways with Arkiti? Armenteros would then get the call again. So I want to talk about the 25-year-old right-hander Armenteros a little bit to see if you had any love for him as maybe a deeper league stash because it, you would have to wait on him now that he's back in the minors. Nah, I'm not a fan of this guy. No good? Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay, so he throws like 90 miles per hour. It's it's It can yeah. be well commanded around the zone even From when he right walked side. it. Even when he walked guys, it was still close enough. You know, there were some borderline walks, all that kind of thing. Good changeup that he did work well against the Rangers on Sunday. Watched a good amount of that game. You know, he struck out Gallo with a well-executed one. I just, uh, it's just not enough for me. The, the deuce is fine. I feel like he wrapped around to get strikes with that. It, and nothing stuck out to me. I think this is someone who's going to get beat up more than he's going to produce. Okay. Um, I, I will say this about uh, or Kitty is that, you know, we, we really do miss Josh James. And this is the closest that we're going to get this year. 
This is like this is as far as it's gonna get. All right, fine. We're gonna lose a little bit of velocity, but he's got a really good changeup. So like a baby. Yeah, uh, it's like a mini, like, like, mini like a Josh baby James. Josh James yeah. here. <laughs> but, I like uh, it. I, I like the comparison. Like, I, there. I just miss Josh. I really hope he gets his chance. He should get his chance next year, right? <sighs> I right. know. Yes, yes. I do think that. I thought at some point this year with the way things, like I said, right, kept kind of right. blowing up on them that they would. And then uh, and then Urquidy and Armenteros have a big weekend there where they both pitched well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden they're they're back to, you know, James is just kind of sticking where he's sticking. You know, so it's, uh, it's kind of like he got friend zoned or something. He basically you is know? bullpen zoned. Yeah. That's a great way to put it, because. At this point, too, could they really even stretch him out for anything fantasy viable? Right. You know, we're, we're, we're fast approaching August. So at this point, I might just say don't even mess with it and keep churning out my multi-inning uh, heavy strikeout relief outings for the leagues where that's viable. Right. But then the Astros are going to go move away for the offseason. And then they're going to come back fresh minds and everything. They're going to meet again. And then maybe they, sparks and fly, you know. Then we look at them a little bit differently. Like, oh, I used to, <laughs> I used to think he was good looking. Let's get him in the rotation. Oh now. man, I, I really do hope that Josh James does start though. I think he has such such a good ceiling. I remember talking yeah, to he, you. What was it like? I had him at fifty in the initial yes. race, something like that. Forty five. We're both aggressive, but you blew me out of the water. <laughs> and I, you know, uh, we were so excited. And then of course he hit the injury, oh, and they man. said he's not going to for the rotation so we both had to just move him out of our ranking i think there were three guys it was josh james oh super or maybe it was four it was josh james there was joe musgrove it was nick kingham and then there was soroka so at least i got i got one and then i got terrified about the shoulder and ran away syroka (laughs) syroka one of my buddies one of my buddies told me that one that's that's big in the uh, atlanta braves fan community there so uh all right our last guy here is a dear favorite of mine oh man Um, first article i ever wrote Colette tweeted about him as uh, something that he was doing big. And I was like, yeah, I'm about three, four years away from quitting this guy. So just keep that, <laughs> that good stuff coming there. It is. It of course is Reynaldo Lopez. And uh, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you've definitely heard me gush over Reynaldo Lopez at some point in time, because like I said, I just can't quit the guy. I see the talent. I think it's evident when you watch him that it's there, even in some of his bad starts, if you're watching him and you on, you know, you can see how it can go right. Um, and so obviously I'm hoping that someday it will. It really hasn't thus far. He, he is approaching 400 major league innings, but even that is still relatively small. I think there's like a 500 inning marker that was studied as like, that's when pitchers can kind of start to get their feel mm-hmm. and really become who they become. I believe it was, uh, Mike Siano and Corey Schwartz at MLB.com who did their thing called the list of 12. And it was, um, 12 guys who have either eclipsed the 500 inning mark or are, are like about to that could be ready to take the next level. And they helped them find a lot of gems. They had other thresholds with it too. But, uh, I, I bet Reynaldo Lopez would probably be one of those guys, uh, who could be, the next thing next year. And we saw what happened with Giolito. It is not linked. And you, we and I were talking about this offline to suggest that because Giolito busted out that Reynaldo Lopez is any more likely to because they share the same team would be foolhardy. The only reason I bring it up, though, is to remind yourself that somebody like Reynaldo Lopez has a lot of talent and you have to be open to him changing on a dime. He's a 465, 138 career ERA whip, uh, career ERA and whip guy. But if he all of a sudden made these two, three tweaks that you and I talk about regularly, whatever those may be with a particular pitcher, they can flip to the guy that we expect them right. to be. So you have to be open-minded to it despite looking at a 5.76 ERA this year. So anyway, <laughs> Ronaldo Lopez is pitching better of late. Is there anything here 
or is it still just teasing me for fun? No, no, you know the answer to this. All right, so uh, before, <laughs> through July 4th, Renato Lopez averaged 95.3 miles per hour on his fastball. The best he had in a single game was 96.3, 96.2, 96.1. Everything else is 95 and lower. The last two starts on 14th and the 19th, 97.1 and 97.2. I mean, that's that's exciting. That's cool. That that's two ticks from the season average higher. Nice. <laughs> so, I so, like that. So the thing I've always loved about Reynaldo is that his foundation of a fastball, believe it or not, I know it has negative P-Vals and all, everything. Mm-hmm. His fastball is actually a good fastball. It's just that that's all you would have. And when that's all you would have, then, yeah, you're going to make some mistakes on it. Guys are just going to wait for this, and then that's the pitch that they clobber eventually. But if he's throwing 97 with that pitch and he does a good job of jamming that up and in to, to right-handers and lefties alike, that sets a much better precedent for everything else than that follows. And changeup has generally been that second pitch for him. So I've mm-hmm. always been Especially saying when that. when he's on. Right. So when, when he's throwing 95 in change, okay, it needs to be the slider and changeup both involved too. When all three are working, then he has a great day. But if he's throwing 97, honestly, he just needs one other to work. And that's kind of what happened the last two starts. He's been slightly killing it um, against the, uh, the the Rays and the Athletics. 15 total strikeouts in those two games. Only two earned runs allowed in 13 innings. Only three walks. I, I mean, I, I know that people are going to probably want to see one more start. Generally, three is when you start buying in. I have to say, it, it's I don't need to see more necessarily. I would I would buy now, uh, and and just kind of hold on to it. Just if you want to s- not start him for that one, and it's not the Twins. It's um, oh I know this. It's uh going to oh. be Miami next. So I'm going to let sir. him loose for that start. If he's then the him, Mets. Ah, oh, I'm so in. And then at Philly. So next week is a two start home Mets at Philly. We I can take that. We can, we talk about all the time about. You know, it's so hard to stay ahead these days because there's so much information out there. I feel like you have to right now, and there has to be a spot on your roster. That, you know, there's not so much out there. If you, you know, go no. for Ronaldo against the fish, how bad could that be? Exactly, and you know, well, <laughs> let's I, sound I, clip on, that. Let's sound on. clip that hang so on. that play it I back when it happens. That. Yes, <laughs> as somebody who's had Ronaldo oh, Lopez. For well, it gets a the Marlins, shocking though. amount. Right, let's see this year. For a shocking amount well, of the 391 <laughs> innings on a fantasy team. I can tell you that it can be really bad. All right, let's but see I agree here. with you nonetheless. His uh, his worst up. starts have been against Minnesota. He did blue, the Blue Jays last year was eight earned runs one day. Uh, the Tigers this year six earned runs, which is crazy because he has he has owned them. Uh, for the for most of his career uh, in in division, there just pummeled the Tigers. Didn't you have two great starts against them earlier this year? Uh, it's possible. I'm looking at career of just the worst starts. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he did. He did on the uh, on the. I, I nope. That's last year. End nope. of end of April. End, end of, of April. April. Yeah, he yeah, had eight strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. And then 14 after that. <laughs> but yeah, these two great strikeouts came on the heels of, of Detroit clobbering him, like you said. The, the the thing with Reynaldo Lopez, and we have actually said this about, it can happen with a lot of guys. It, it, let's be truthful. It can happen with any pitcher, with, whether they're on or off. Mm-hmm. But p- there's pitchers like this with their stuff being so good where the opposition will not matter. It truly sure. will not matter. He can get trounced by a Miami when Reynaldo Lopez is off. He can beat, you know, the Astros in Houston right. when he's on. So you're not really worried as much about the the matchups. You're you're trying to play good matchups, 
But if Reynaldo Lopez is clicking and these last two starts are indicative of something turning for him, then the opposition is just not going to matter. So I'm in for this in 12-team, 15-team to go for this week for sure. Even 10-team, I would spot this. I, I got no problem spotting Wednesday's start against Miami. And then next week, Mets at Phillies. You okay. might have three starts here to, to take a shot with Ronaldo and see what you got. So, of course, I'm in. Everyone knows that. But uh, <laughs> Nick's in as well here. And, you know, hopefully this – Reynaldo train can turn around finally. Oh, uh, uh, you know, over ten percent swinging strike it, rate at least. Yeah, it was my first article I wrote for for you for, at Rotographs. Right. I actually I remember writing it. It was his MLB debut, and then accidentally hitting publish, and the tweet getting sent out at like one a.m. Yes. and then pulling it back and then wondering what I just did. You're like, oh no! And everyone's like, "Hey, so the link doesn't go to anything." I was like, "I don't Bro, know why I, that happened." I can't get to uh, this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> seems crazy. This Fangraphs oh, place, they don't have stuff. Man, yeah, what's well, wild? Um, but no, that, that was a fun one website. back in the day. Uh, that was actually was that was it wasn't it was a season debut because he had pitched for the Nationals prior in 2016, I think. Yes, and so then made his debut for the White Sox in 2017 in July. Correct. So actually, almost almost two years ago, getting close. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but he's year yeah, anniversary. He's getting close to my heart. I actually wrote another pitcher spotlight article last year on him about his old breaking ball, the curveball that he threw for a couple starts, and then you love him too. I know he's just got a special place in my heart. There's something about hey. him. Hey, I'm 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 here for it, man. Like <laughs> uh, like you know, we're we're, we're pulling for this. You know, so hopefully hopefully we can get it going. We're here for the Ray Lows and Ray Highs. You know, we're all we're here for it all. Okay. Well, yep, that's going to end it. the podcast forever, actually. <laughs> this is the last episode that we're ever going to do. No, I, I, I actually like that one. But, uh, Nick, great talking with you. And um, we'll be back next week with a special episode yes. on Wednesday wait. for the trade deadline. Yep. We're going to be on during the day. We will be recording it so you can listen to it later because some of you like that, even though it's more of a live thing. But we're also going to be streaming it on Twitch and I believe – Perhaps Periscope as well. Yeah, we're going to make that work. It's going to be a so, live stream talking about trade deadline. It's everything coming fun. in, what teams should do, what they shouldn't. Please come by, uh, chat with us about it, and and it should be a lot of fun. I'm actually really excited for it. And I tell you what, you know, there's a, I, I don't know. I don't want to get into it because we've talked <laughs> about it forever. There's other stuff like this that you and I have talked about that we really want to. Yes, uh, yeah, definitely. We really want to push forward. And the playoffs could be a great platform for it, that. It but anyway, be. it could be. We'll get more into that later. <laughs> Nick, I will talk with you on Wednesday, but have a great week. And uh, I'll talk to you then. You too, Spore. It's always fun hanging with you by the fire. Thanks for listening to today's Fireside Chat with Paul Spore and Nick Pollock. Follow both Paul and Nick on Twitter at Spore and at PitcherList.